right. Welcome to the Recovery Edge podcast. Um, my name is Alfredo. I'm an alcoholic. And today I'm sitting here with Mike virtually. And Mike, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, friend. Uh, hi, Alfredo. Yes, I'm Mike and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, it's good to be back on the Recovery Edge podcast. Uh I was on it three years ago today. Yeah, welcome back. I think it's awesome, man. And we've kind of stayed, we've always kind of stayed in touch anyways throughout the years. And I think we've seen each other just kind of grow spiritually through recovery and uh, just keep in touch throughout these weird times, right? You know, with mm-hmm. COVID and everything that's been happening in our lives. I say weird, but they're, they're kind of good things too. So um, it's been a pleasure, Mike been a pleasure why don't you uh tell us why don't you just give us your sobriety date in your home group and uh, we'll go from there okay yeah so my sobriety date is january 1st 2017 so today i'm celebrating seven years of continuous sobriety my home group uh was it was happy trudgers uh which is where we met and um and that's an aa meeting and then also a ca meeting meeting number one. Uh, but over the last three months, I've been doing Zoom meetings due to some circumstances uh, that came up at home. And um, my Zoom meetings that are my home groups now are uh, an AA meeting called the AWOL Noon Zoom, uh, and then a CA meeting called Zoom into Recovery. And so those are like my temporary home groups, but I, I have enjoyed meeting these people and uh, being, you know, involved that I will probably continue with the Zoom even after I go back to in-person. That's pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of people kind of discount the Zooms, but I think what, you know, before we were recording, you had said that you kind of get what you put in into zoom meetings, you know? Um, and I'm happy that there's still, uh, the popularity of the zoom meetings because a lot of people aren't really back in office and, you know, things shut down. I was in a meeting yesterday that it was its final meeting, you know, because after COVID it just, uh, never got traction again. So it's beneficial that we still get the zoom and the online capabilities and people kind of learned how to, how to uh, navigate that. Cause some of these meetings in person just didn't last. Didn't make it through. Yeah. Um, and I, I think about a week before I had to start doing zoom meetings, I was saying how I was not a fan of zoom. Um, and I liked using my feet to get sober and <laughs> stay sober. And, uh, And then, yeah, I mean, I basically, I was, I had the option of either not doing anything or doing these Zoom meetings. And, um, you know, my sponsor, he's at the the AWOL Zoom. And I just, I treated him like a real meeting, uh, turned my camera on, put my phone on, do not disturb, Mm -hmm. uh, turn off the chat on the Zoom because I, that, that's a distraction as well. And, um, and yeah, and then I like, you know, uh, it, the meetings are different, the two that I go to, but one of them's a ton of newcomers and it's, 
people in the UK and uh, you know, I, I feel like a responsibility to try to share the message and, you know, focus on the topic. Um, and I've been able to connect with a few folks um, on that meeting just via WhatsApp. And then, uh, yeah, I've been able to chair, I got like a weekly chair spot on the, uh, the noon AWOL Zoom as well. Awesome. Um, so now we have a good idea how things are a little different from three years ago, but why don't you go ahead and just tell us, you know, what, what it was like, what happened, what it's like today, and then catch us up on the last three years since your last, um, appearance on the podcast. Sounds good. Um, and yeah, I'm going to focus a lot less on what it was like, because if yeah. anyone wants to hear my, you know, entire uh, drinking and drug career, if they really want to, they can go back to like January of 2021 and listen to that. I I'll put spent, a link in the description for sure. <laughs> I put a, yeah, I spent a lot of time on what it was like. And I, and I think, you know, looking back when we did this in January of 2021, the the program that I was working was not like super strong at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was doing maybe two meetings a week at happy treasures and, uh, you know, and I was skiing a lot. I mean, and I, I always have kept in touch with, um, people in the program, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, things were still kind of, um, I don't know, not, uh, not moving along as much just because of like the pandemic. And, um, and then since then, like, so I'll, I'll tell a little bit about, I guess, what it was like for those who do not want to go listen to the older podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, uh, I started, uh, drinking and doing drugs, like smoking pot. Uh, that was the first time I changed my state of consciousness. And that was, uh, when I was 15, I smoked pot for the first time. And, um, and once I got high, I kind of wanted to do that like all the time. Um, and I, you know, the, when, the first time I got drunk, I really enjoyed it. And I, you know, it, it felt like, um, I don't know, just a release. And like, I, you know, I don't think I was like an alcoholic from birth. Um, I think that I eventually crossed the line and, um, and that, that happened when I was in like, you know, in high school, like junior, senior year, it started to get a little more out of control, but really when I got to college, um, I, I feel like I, I blacked out like most times that I drank and, I started blacking out even when, you know, I didn't want to, I mean, plenty of times there were, (laughs) that was the goal. Uh, but eventually got to the point where I was, you know, I'd be passed out like before the party even started. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that. Um, and my nickname in, in college became drunk Mike. And, uh, and yeah, along with that, I did, you know, I, did a lot of hallucinogens and ecstasy and, uh, really liked the pharmaceuticals and, um, and yeah, I just kind of like went along and it didn't become a problem until, well, I didn't, I didn't suffer 
too many consequences. But now as I'm talking, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I did get a DUI. Yeah, it is kind of funny 19. that you said it didn't become a problem. And I'm like, that sounds like it was a problem, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a problem. I, so I was, I think I got four minor possessions in high school. Uh, I got uh, a DUI uh, my sophomore year of college. I didn't even have a car, but I managed to get a DUI. Um, three weeks later, got arrested in Atlanta at a widespread panic show for New Year's. Um, and then uh you know fast forward my first introduction to recovery um my buddy said hey do you want to go to an AA meeting and uh i've been using uh cocaine and xanax all day that day but i was like sure i'll go check it out and that's you know went to a meeting barely remember it and that's when i i left that meeting and ended up getting into that uh into a significant car accident where I was found without a pulse and airlifted to the hospital and um, woke up uh, in the ICU with the managing partner of my CPA firm at the time. Uh, he was on the phone with my parents and that was, that was like my first, Oh, you know, this is like a real problem and I have to get help. And so I, that was March of 2007. And um, I went you know, I got in, into an outpatient uh, rehab and did 90 and 90 with the AA and stayed sober six months, but um, wasn't fully invested. Didn't, you know, once I hit the 90, I dropped down to like two meetings a week. And, um, and uh, yeah, I eventually uh, relapsed and tried to come back uh, briefly. But, uh, yeah, my heart wasn't into it, and um, I had more research to do. So um, over the next few years, I became addicted to OxyContin, um, and that was, like, physically addicting, and uh, eventually had to get on a drug called Suboxone to get off of that, and uh, tried coming back to AA, but uh, didn't really, didn't really work the program. And, you know, I got out of it what I put into it. So, um, so yeah, I was in and out from 2007 to like, so from March of 07 to, uh, March of 2010. Um, and then I didn't come back into the rooms until January 1st of 20 or of 2017. Um, and in the, uh, in those intervening years, like, you know, it's a progressive disease. It all, you know, it got worse. I like the line in the book that like, we are like men and women who, you know, lose their legs. They never grow back. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I fully believe that. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 I crossed the line once I crossed the line of like blacking out, most nights I never was able to like avoid that. Um, if I did, I was not happy. Like I, you know, was upset that I wasn't hammered when drinking and, um, yeah. And, I, and my, my drinking and drug career was summed up by just, you know, I, once I started, I couldn't, uh, control the amount that I took. And, uh, if I quit for 
a period of time, I couldn't stay stopped. So, um, so yeah, January 1st, 2017, came in, got a sponsor right away. Met you, I think probably on like January 3rd. I remember you were at the trudge talking about uh, traveling through the airport. <laughs> and I think you, get, you, had a, you got a 60-day chip um, pretty early when I was in. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad I haven't had to look back. I, you and I have that in common as someone who, who have, have come in here and picked up like some monthly chips and then gone back out. And, uh, for the folks that, you know, relapse, like, um, I just want to say it is possible to get this thing, you know, if you don't get it on your first try. Um, I mean, it took me a long time before I got it. Uh, but what I will say is every time that I had a little bit of time and I relapsed, it I I lost that like first line of defense. Um, and it was really hard to come back. There's shame involved and um and it's better to just to stay. And I know you can relate to that. Um I say that's a lot of my ego was killing me and it was an obstacle that I just had to get over if I wanted to save my life and it's crazy but my ego almost killed me you know I had to get over a lot of things but yeah you and I understand what you're saying absolutely yeah um so yeah I want to talk like I want to move up to kind of, so the year of 2021, after we did this podcast, I feel like the, the Trudger's room eventually moved from the banquet hall to the basement. And uh, I think that happened in 2021 at some point, maybe late in the year. Um, but, you know, I, I think I was still doing maybe two meetings a week two to three in 2021. I started going back to York street some too, just cause I needed like a variety. Um, but it was January 1st, 2022. Uh, when I was celebrating five years, I went back to a CA meeting that I used to go to. The first happened to fall on January, uh, on my, you know, on a Saturday. And, um, so I went back to this meeting called, uh, meeting number one and, um, you know, ego kept me from going back to CA for a while. Cause I was like, I've, I've kind of, you know, didn't go to that program for two years and these people, you know, they don't want me to just show up <laughs> after being gone. And then I took a step back and I was like, wait a minute, like if I, I've still been sober, what, you know, how would someone who's relapsed feel? And, um, so I, I went and I got my five-year chip, um, at meeting number one. And I started going to that meeting every Saturday and I became the secretary and I got involved. Um, and, uh, you know, it was like a commitment. Like I, I was like, I need to be there every Saturday. And I got, you know, it was like great to reconnect with all these people from CA and, um, and it taught me like, 
you know, I'm the, I was the chip and lit person at Trudge, I think since 2017. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, that's a very easy service position. That's my style. But the becoming a secretary at the meeting number one, it taught me like these meetings don't just happen. Like you don't just show up and they, they're there. It's like, there's a lot of work that goes into them. And it just taught me, you know, the importance of um, service work and really gave me, gave me more of a purpose. And um, so, yeah, at, at meeting number one, there was a guy who had a month uh, sober when I picked up my five-year trip and uh, he was making the coffee for the meeting. And when I became secretary and he had to be there an hour early where I only had to get there half an hour early every week, but we developed a friendship, uh, and he's still sober today. Um, he has two years in a month and, uh, you know, having to get there early every week and develop a relationship with these people. Um, it was like, you know, truly beneficial to my sobriety. And, uh, I know from all the service work that you've done, over the years, uh, especially early on, like how, how important that is. And, um, so yeah, I mean, 2022 is when I feel like my recovery kicked into high gear again. And I became, you know, I had a commitment to be at this meeting every Saturday and then I would go to trudge, uh, typically like twice a week. Um, and then 2023 rolls around and my goal at the beginning of the year was to do three meetings a week. It was going to be the Saturday morning meeting, uh, meeting number one, and then two days at Trudge. Uh, but then I got the opportunity to, I picked up a couple, a couple sponsees. So I ended up doing three days at Trudge because I would meet these sponsees and then go to Trudgers with them. And then, uh, I also picked up a Sunday AA meeting um, that I really liked. It was at the Alano Club um, at 10 a.m. on Sundays. And uh, so I found myself doing five meetings a week when I planned on doing three. And uh, I did that for most of um, 20, well, for 20, like the first three quarters of 2023 um, up until, you know, got COVID, gave it to my wife. We're going through a bunch of stuff. It had a major impact on scheduling. And, uh, and ever since then I've been doing the zoom. Um, but I, you know, I was doing zoom seven days a week because I was like, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to drink or use, but I feel like I can be on my computer for one hour a day. I mean, how hard is that? And this, the, the zoom actually saves a lot of time, like travel time. And you can hop on right before and get off right after if you're busy. Um, that's one thing that I should probably work on is getting there early. And cause they actually do like show up early and stay late. Um, you know, and, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's how it's been. I think this year has been, you know, one of the best years for my sobriety just because I picked up some sponsees and 
they were all going through the work at the same time. So it was like, I had two sponsees and that was enough. But then this guy was like, Hey man, will you be my sponsor? And I was like, I really don't have time, but I knew in my heart that I had to say yes after he asked again. And, um, and each one was a different experience. Uh, they always teach me a lot about myself. Hmm. Um, you know, I feel like I treat each sponsee differently based on like how willing they are to do the work. Um, and sometimes I can, you know, if I get really frustrated, I guess I can let that show. And, uh, one of the sponsees let me know <laughs> that, mm. uh, as a little <laughs> critical, um, <laughs> That's constru- constructive criticism. <laughs> yeah. it, it made me take a step back and look at how I was communicating though. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just wish that, you know, like, I know some people could come in and they have this attitude, like, I'll just gonna get sober and like leave. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people have that. I mean, I had those, attitudes at some you know early like not in this time in my recovery um but in the previous times when it didn't work and um there is just some like i i I can't explain it but when you get the opportunity to like read the book with someone and like help them and then when they go on to want to carry the message to others i mean that's like the coolest thing uh and that's what this is all about and i and I've also had the opportunity uh, in the past year to help a family friend. Um, so it was, you know, great seeing her get sober and do this thing and like be of service. Um, and uh, I thought a lot about like throughout the year, just the responsibility statement. Like um, it is like, uh, I am responsible. I want the hand of when I want the hand of A to be there whenever someone or no, whenever someone uh, reaches out for help, I want the A, the hand of A mm-hmm. to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Um, I think a lot about that. And I also think a lot about uh, a vision for you that, you know, give freely of what you find and join us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. And, uh, those have been critical, um, you know, to my sobriety. And, um, I think it's really important. Like the, the people that really live the program, uh, need to follow that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, and I can relate to you so much when you and Kayla were talking about the phone call you received, uh, maybe on Christmas Eve or something <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, you got a call from a newcomer and I, I'm guilty of that too. When someone calls, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> but you, it, you have to answer the phone. It's you're, you're required to, I mean, it is, mm-hmm. you have to. And then once you do, it's just like, you know, it's just like, why was I resisting? Yeah. It's like the best feeling ever, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that kind of brings me to present day. Um, I was thinking about, you know, people ask about new year's resolutions and things like that. Mm -hmm. And my one, 
one thing I'm going to try to do, it's nice and vague, so it's hard to measure, but just try to live the serenity prayer. Um, I, uh, you know, one thing I've done over the last year is I've prayed a lot, which was some, it was not part of my recovery before, um, a whole lot, like in the last few years, but I've, I've definitely prayed a lot more just because of things that have been going on in life. But the majority of my prayers are just, uh, you know, praying for others. And, um, it says in the book, we have to turn our thought to other, our thoughts to others. Um, but yeah, and, and thinking about, you know, I was talking to a friend, a family friend who's in recovery now earlier this morning. And, uh, she asked what my resolutions were and, or if I do those things. And I was like, well, stay sober. (laughs) Um, that's number one, but yeah, I want to try to live this, uh, live the serenity prayer. And also I'm trying to clean up my, uh, language. (laughs) So that's funny how that works, right? Like we come into AA and we're like, oh, everybody can curse and talk about God. This is so cool. And then as we stick around longer and longer, we start cleaning up our language. It's so weird. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's something that I'm going to have to work on because I already dropped an F-bomb this morning when my wife and I were talking about how, you know, I was thinking previous New Year's. So we... I met her in March of 2014, but I didn't get sober till January of 2017. So we had a couple New Year's together. And um, I said, oh, like, I'm trying to think, like, you know, yeah, I remember 2014, we got effed up. I said the word, though. And then I was like, oh, I caught myself. And so, yeah, it's like a character defect. I need to work on it every day um, and retrain my brain to not swear so much because I just... I could be talking to my boss about like, you know, uh, just a problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, or something good. And, uh, so yeah, it's something I'm going to try to do. And I, and I feel like I've been working on that in meetings for a while because, you know, Sobercast is in my ear a lot. And these people talk about not swearing from podium. And I think, uh, I think it's just good to try to lead by example and um, there's always room for improvement. You might have already answered this, but let me just ask anyways, you know, have you come across like you got seven years now, but throughout that time, have you felt like you've been in a funk and what did you do to kind of get out of it? Um, yes, I definitely have been in bunks, uh, throughout sobriety. Um, I think, you know, that happened more before COVID. Um, and I would just have to like switch up my meetings a little bit or go to other meetings. Um, I found that to be very useful. Uh, you know, when my wife and I like bought this house and had to go through that whole moving process, I remember that was like a really stressful time. I think like divorce and moving are the, some of the most stressful things you can go through in life. You, you recently moved. Maybe you can uh, attest to that. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
And I found myself, I mean, I was going to like 7 a.m. at York and then I would go to half the trudger. Like I had to like redouble my efforts. And it wasn't, I've, I've never, I would say I've never been close to drinking or using throughout my um, time in sobriety this time. Like I've, those, those are out of the question. Um, but the only reason it is that way, it's because I, you know, this, I start my day with like the daily reflection and uh, the 24 hour day book and the CA um, quiet peace daily meditate. Like I, I put recovery in my face right every morning when I'm brushing my teeth <laughs> and, uh, and then I try to hit a meeting and, um, and I just try to do things, you know, that are positive for my recovery. But I think um yeah, I avoid the funk by just doing what was suggested early on and trying to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. I and, and actually, yeah, I guess in the past year, there was a funk. Uh, and that happened after we got COVID. And I went a week without any Zoom or in-person meetings. And I was just kind of like, I was hesitant to do the Zoom. And I was, yeah, I mean, I was in, uh, I was very powerless over the situation. We didn't know what was going to happen with our schedule. And, you know, I felt terrible that I gave my wife COVID when, you know, we had actually like talked about it prior. Like maybe I should not go to meetings and do Zoom for a couple of weeks. And I was like, no, that's, I I have to be there. And, um, but yeah, I got into a funk that week because I was essentially not doing anything for my recovery besides praying. And uh, and then, yeah, it was like I went to a meeting the following Monday and I went to a meeting every day since and got re like, you know, I, it's been a different experience, but it's been great. And I feel very solid, uh, you know, as a result of it. So for anybody who hasn't heard your story before, you mentioned earlier about being in this big car accident and they finding you without a pulse. Reflecting on that now, how does that affect your recovery? Like somebody would probably say, oh my God, God gave me a second chance. You know, I am so lucky or something. What do you think? Um... Yeah, I mean, I was given a second chance. I I was given many more after that. And um, <laughs> I, I mean, when I got sober at that time, I thought I was going to be sober for the rest of my life. I had this, you know, I was on the pink cloud and I thought I was like, there's no way I'd go back to drinking. And, you know, a, a trip to Hawaii by myself, <laughs> like... <laughs> It took an hour after landing um, Mm. to completely. Yeah, I get it. um, um, Traveler myself. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think back like now today, I like what got me sober this time, you know, that it was an emotional bottom that I hit at the end. Um, And that's what got me back into the rooms. It was like, you know, a great sequence of events of, uh, you know, getting blackout drunk on Christmas Eve and seeing the look on my 
family's face the next morning and um hooking up with my brother-in-law who had like you know 15 years at the time and you know talking to his dad who had 35 years at the time <laughs> and uh you know i it's like i hadn't i haven't had a drink since that christmas eve probably like more like 2 a.m christmas uh of 2016 but i i came back to denver and talk about you know the changing your mind thing like i remember being on the plane like i had drugs back in denver I had like an eight ball of Coke and a bunch of Xanax. And I remember like on the drive to the airport, I'm crying in the backseat of my dad. My dad's driving my wife and I, or she was my fiance at the time. And I'm texting a friend that I know is in recovery. And I'm like, Hey, I need to flush this stuff as soon as I get back to Denver and go to a meeting. And then while on the plane an hour later, I think, I should probably just do the rest of that stuff <laughs> I mean, <laughs> out of my mind. And I continued to use for a week. Um, and then I called my, um, my br- brother-in-law's father and told him that I was like, Hey, I didn't, I didn't drink this past week, but I've been doing drugs. And he told me to go to a meeting and, uh, so I did. And I feel like, yeah, I got so I got sober by like seconds and inches. Um, you know, I, I went to that meeting uh, on New Year's Eve I, and I, there was one guy there. His name was Mario. And we had a meeting and I text him every New Year's Eve uh, and I thank him. And I remember coming home from that meeting and I was shocked that my wife wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a parade because I went to a meeting. She was like, no, like you've been using drugs for the last 11 months. I thought you quit. <laughs> and, um, and I was ready to go back out, but she said, why don't you call that guy you met? And I did. And he picked up the phone and, um, and yeah, I'm like forever grateful for that. And I think about that. Like, I, that's why I love, that's like, you know, these, the, whenever you hit a milestone, it's a great time to, to reflect. And if I didn't call that guy, um, and I would have gone out on that New Year's Eve, I probably wouldn't have woken up and gone to the meeting the next day. And I probably wouldn't be married today. Um, I mean, you know, I, uh, and, you know, something, something happened where it's like, I woke up the next morning. I was like looking online at, at meetings and I went to two that day. And, um, and yeah, it's like just one foot in front of the other ever since. Um, and I'm just like, I'm really grateful that like the stars aligned <laughs> and I was able to get in. And, and now today with the near death stuff, I mean, you know, I was, a drug user so you know fentanyl wasn't around when i got sober um i would most likely be dead if i continued on that path because i would have probably been seeking it um that's just the way that i partied um and when i say party i mean i was doing cocaine in an office by myself (laughs) during the week i mean that's that's hardly a party um right (laughs) but that's how i live 
Um, and I'm, I'm really grateful that, you know, I mean, it's, we get to live a life beyond our wildest dreams, no matter what happens. It's like, at least we got our sobriety and, um, you know, uh, this too shall pass when those challenges do come up. How are you balancing your marriage and life with your AA? And you're probably pretty good at it by now after seven years, of course. <laughs> but I thought it would be helpful information, uh, especially for somebody who's newly wed like myself. Yeah, um, I have always tried to do noon meetings um, or meetings in like in the morning meetings at time where my wife and I are like not generally hanging out. Like I've not, I've never been like a big evening meeting guy. Um, And I mean, you're very, you're lucky your wife is in the program. So she understands all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You can go to meetings together, but, um, but yeah, I've always tried to be respectful of our time and I will ask permission uh, but she always says yes, and she fully like supports my recovery. I mean, she's she tells me if I need a meeting. I mean, luckily I I go to so many, you know, now that that's not really like a thing. She'll just tell me when I'm being a jerk, because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that can happen. But yeah, I I think for me. Um, you know, Trudgers was like beneficial because it's just like I my office is near there and I it's like go downtown, go to the meeting and then head home. Um, but I I I I just like I've never really done a lot of evening meetings. And that seems to work for us. And and on the weekend meetings, a lot of times um, I would go to the, like the CA meeting and then I would pick us up lunch afterwards. So we get to have lunch together. And then on the Sunday meeting, because it was at 10, it ended at 11 and we could go get pho, um, afterwards. And we kind of had these like nice routines around my weekend meetings. And then the final question here, and this one is more for the newcomer though, a piece of advice or words of wisdom for the newcomer or just maybe Mike in this first month or so, you know, like what, what give us the secret? Uh, there is no secret. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so focusing on the similarities and not the differences, uh, that, that was crucial. Um, and early on I kept getting new meetings like a minute or two late. And this guy pulled me aside afterwards and said, hey, man, you need to get there early and you need to stay afterwards. You need to get phone numbers and text and call those people. And so that's what I did. And my I mean, my phone, I have I probably have like multiple hundreds of people from the program in my phone. And I, I put an A for their last name. Just an A, not an A, just an A. So they're at the top of my contact list. And um and most of those people I've probably, I haven't had contact with for many, many years, but if they ever do call, I want to answer the phone. Um, but yeah, just like everyone says, you know, go to meetings every day um, or 
go whenever you can make them a priority in your life. I, I realize from like a, having a professional background that like sometimes you can't make it. And um, as long as you're making recovery a priority uh, and you have a sponsor <clears throat> and you're working with that sponsor uh, and getting involved, I mean, your chances are, going to be good i mean but you have to like you have to really be ready to get sober i feel like in order to actually get sober that sounded like pretty wishy-washy advice no i think it hits the mark <laughs> hey thanks for being on the show and a happy 2024 i can't believe it's here and i can't believe you're at seven years, man. That means I'm right behind you, ready for mine. So ready for my six. Yeah. So what so, are you doing to celebrate your six? I'll be going to, well, I'm going to bring my wife home from the hospital. Wonderful. And um, before that, I'm going to hit the trudgers meeting to get a chip. Do you want to stop by my house and pick up my six year chip? <laughs> you can. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah. Text me your address and I'll do that. Okay. Yeah. I would love to give it to you. It's on I would way. love to have it, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. That's cool. And then when I eventually pick up a seven year, um, maybe we can keep this tradition going. But yeah, man, I, I really hope we stay a year and a day apart. Um, it has been in this, this podcast, like it brings me so much joy whenever I see there's a new episode. Um, so, I mean, I really appreciate it. And hearing about you, your, yours and Kayla's journey and just like, you know, what you guys have been through. I know it's been a lot. And, uh, you know, I think about you guys a lot and um, it does put things into perspective. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting her one day because I've not met her, but yeah. I've heard her a bunch. And uh I would say don't forget to let everyone know where they can find this podcast. Hey, at uh, recoveryedgepodcast.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places that you like to check out your podcast. Share us with a friend. I appreciate you always listening, Mike, and I appreciate you coming on the show. I love you, man. And yeah, I love you too. I, I hope that we can. Thank you. And I hope that it's always like this, you know, a year and a day, and we'll just take it one day at a time, brother. <laughs>